You're listening to the Haney Company Financial Guy Show. No nonsense, just a crazy mix of life, business, the funny, and of course we're going to talk about your money. But just sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. What could go wrong? All right, welcome to another episode of the Haney Company Financial Guy Show. I am always excited with the guests that we have on this show because they are uh, incredible heavy hitters, uh, movers and shakers, and John Bromley is no exception to that. So, John, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to really happy to be here. I, I like to get the struggles out early because then everything else is easier. So, uh, the first four questions are always the hardest. They require a lot of mental gymnastics and exercise. So, we're just going to get started with that. And the the first one is. What is the number one place on your bucket list that you have not been to, but you want to go to as soon as you can? Oh, my goodness. Well, you're definitely right about this being the skill testing question because it has nothing to do with benevolence or, or, or charity. So uh, you're, you're, you're throwing me a curveball here, my friend. Um, I've been fortunate to travel quite a lot, uh, and I would love to go to Korea. I've never been to Korea. Okay. I like that. Well, and is there anything about Korea that that stands out? That's that's why it would be a place of choice. I I, I, I don't know if I need to clarify, but maybe just to say South Korea is my intention. Um, you know, I I love the food. I've spent lots of time in Asia. I've always loved Asia. And uh, when I was younger, uh, living in, in in China, a different story. My roommate was Korean, and him and I got along like two peas in a pod. And I just loved the guy, and he left me with a really great impression of the place. So. Uh, you know, I've never been there. They got a lot of tech, wonderful food, really nice people. I'm in to give it a shot. No, that sounds awesome. I, I, I have not been to Asia, period. So there's probably a whole bunch on my list that all fit that category. So that's fantastic. I love it. Good good, we're, good start. Here we go. Um, this is a favorite of mine. It's a newer one. But if you were going to start a band, John, what would be the name of your band? Oh, my goodness. You really should have. I uh, really should have got these questions in advance. Um, <laughs> so, I'm not particularly musical. My older sister got all of that. Uh, I did used to be a hip hop DJ in university, um, and my name there was DJ because because when anyone ever asked me how I got my name, I just answered with my name. I like that. I don't know what my band would be. Yeah. You know, I, uh, yeah. So I, you know, what can I? Can I? Uh, can I call someone to to help me out with this or or, or, or just DJ stick because with my DJ? and the because stick with, yeah, just start with this, start with my start with my DJ story and and go to the next one. Hey, well, maybe 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 that's got legs there as well, right? You know, because he added all these other people. That's you never know, right? We'll see. I like uh, DJ because that's that in and of itself. I think is a great place to land. I think you got all you need right there as a moniker. That's a good one. Let's do it. I love it. Um, would you rather explore if you had the opportunity, either outer space or the bottom of the ocean? Wow. Well, you know, in today's day and age, you could actually say you, you know, outer space almost seems more reachable, doesn't it? Um, but I think I'd like to explore the bottom of the ocean. Okay. I mean, look, either way, if you anyone offered me a ticket either way, and it was uh, past some version of a safety test, I would say yes to either one of those. I'm a curious person that does like to explore both in business and in life. Um, but yeah, the bottom of the ocean just sounds like this curious place that really no one's ever been uh, when you get to the real bottom bottom. So I'm I'm in for that. All right. I like it. But both of them are semi-terrifying to me. Maybe it's just all the movies I've seen of things exploding or not, you know, sharks or I don't know what it is. Not Neither one really 
registers very well for me. But uh, it's always interesting to kind of see if, if if we're on one or the other. Because you're right, I think they, you know, they they both have so much potential um, in that framework of of complete certainty and safety. That's that's my only patch, right? Well, and and hey, fear is an important part of uh, exploration. So you know, I'm with you. I'm not saying I'm going down or up without fear, but uh, I would be into doing either one, to be frank. Awesome, love it. All right, last one then. Besides this podcast, which of course is everybody's favorite, what other podcast have you listened to at any point that you think you would like to recommend to somebody else? Well, I have really enjoyed um, what's his last name now? I'd have to check Lex. Uh, he's really well known, and his last name is what is it? Friedman? Yeah, Lex Lex Friedman. He's uh he interviews a lot of like really, truly heavy hitters. Uh, his most recent one was Jeff Bezos, you know, um, and he, he, he has a, and he's got a really long extended format. So you've got to be ready to sit down for, you know, 90 minutes or even longer sometimes to, to get through his podcasts. But what that enables with some really, you know, heavy hitting, famous, well-experienced people is to, to get beyond the sort of, you know, who you are, you, what do you do and why is it important to you and, and, and into some other really consequential discussions. So I've, I've really enjoyed him and I would recommend it to people who haven't heard of him. I like that. And that sounds good. And, you know, I think that that's, you know, I think that's always a podcaster's challenge, right? How long and, and what do we do and how deep do we go? But that sounds good. You know, good stories with fascinating people, I think, is always a, a good thing worth listening to. Like you said, if you got the time for it, right? Yes, sir. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's we we, we, we did that the hard hitting round. Now it's just all easy and breezy from here on out. So <laughs> let's. Let's uh, let you tell the audience a little bit about yourself, because I, I found so much in your bio fascinating. But I want to hear your story uh, and, and maybe highlight the part of your journey that has stood out to you the most, that is the most significant as you're, as you're sharing. Well, I characterize myself, uh, especially at, you know, here we are getting closer to the holiday season. And I characterize myself in Christmas parties and things like that as a charity banker. And partly because you know people are like, what the what the heck is that? And 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 partly because it's actually what I do. Um, you know, my interests are working with people and corporations to help them achieve the change they want to see in the world. And and in this regard, you know, the change that I specialize in is benevolent change. So whether it's charitable at law or just sort of socially good, socially responsible minded uh, investment and 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 or giving. Um, and. I do that partly out of heritage and 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 you know my, my family culture and 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 it also happens to be where my subject matter expertise is. So I mean, I'm an accidental entrepreneur for what it's worth, and that is one of the interesting parts of my journey. I didn't sort of set out ever to become an entrepreneur. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur, but here I am uh, as an entrepreneur talking with you today. Um, but my interest is really in solving a problem that I would characterize as generosity is natural, but knowing how to uh, you know, give charitably, for example, is not. And I'm really interested in working directly with people and corporations to help them work through and navigate and plan for and carry out their charitable giving. And why I put some onus on people and corporations is because it's really a donor-centered model that I'm interested in bringing about. Um, you know, sales mechanics like fundraising uh, and 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 corporate architecture in the charity world, just creating charities and foundations and things like that. It's something I've got a lot of experience and fluency in. But there's also a lot of very talented people who work in that space, coming from the charities worldview to 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 target and 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 capture the donor. My interests are much more like a bank, where it's like, well, regardless of whether you know exactly what you want to do today, you know you want to 
go about and achieve those goals. So how can I help you from, you know, get from here to there, right? So whether the analogy could be an investment manager who helps people, you know, retire working within their risk parameters and targeting sectors they care about, or whether it's a real estate agent who helps you find the perfect house for you that you still have to choose and pay for, right? Um, that's really, so that's really the role that that I I play in the organization I've started, uh, which is called Charitable, Charitable Impact, is really about uh, enabling and facilitating those types of conversations and and those types of activities at scale. I love that, and, and I mean that was the word that stood out to me that I that I just gravitated to is I facilitate benevolence. It's the first thing you say in your LinkedIn profile. I love that. I mean, we could just plant and stop right there because I think that that's not just impressive, but it's needed. And everything that you described about the landscape, um, I think you're you know you're, you're clearly in the right place doing the right things. And I kind of want to dig into what you shared a little bit more because, yeah, there's a lot of people that I think are very willing to be charitably inclined that want to give away their time, their talents, their treasures. And and yet it, it's just not as easy as, you know, push button, give the charity. I think sometimes we want to make it seem like it is, but I think, um, you know, it seems to be maybe a little bit more mysterious. And so maybe we could start by saying, what are some of the things that you've seen that have been challenges that you've been able to address? Like, what are the barriers that you've had to knock down in what you've done? Well, first, it's to help people recognize or understand. Uh, that sounds a little uh, harsh, but like, I love what you just said, by the way. So, like, you know, charitable giving isn't just as easy as like pushing a button and making it happen. I mean, actually, it it can be because you can go to modern, <laughs> you know, websites and literally click a button and and carry out the gift super easily. So the the question is becomes, well, why that organization and how are you going to feel about it, right? And so what it is to recognize is it's to help people recognize that like, you know, cooking well isn't easy, easier, isn't easy either. Running a business well isn't, you know, easy either, you know, um, while I use these sports analogies a lot because I grew up playing a lot of sport, you know, while kicking a ball conceptually is as easy as hitting a button to give to a charity, uh, doing that well, doing that under pressure, doing that with confidence, doing that such that you feel good about yourself afterwards, that's the part that's actually difficult. And um, it's it's it, it, increasingly in today's world, there's really nowhere to go to, to, to learn about and experience charitable giving. It's not like you go to school and you learn it, right? You go to school and you learn math. And without that, you wouldn't become an engineer or an investment banker. Um, you know, um, you, you know, you, 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 without, without sports clubs in our, in our local communities, your nature of athleticism would never turn into a gold medal or a professional contract, let, let alone a, a lifelong, you know, passion for skiing or whatever sport you're into. And, and so the big question that I'm really interested in, I mean, the biggest question at the top level that I'm really interested in is, you know, where has that infrastructure gone for giving? Why doesn't it exist anymore? And how do we replace it? Um, and the reason why that question is so important to answer is because, um, the, the 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 decline of charitable giving that is happening today in 2023 and has been happening for the past decade at least is not because generosity is lacking. It's much more related to people don't really know how to go about transforming their generosity into the change that they want to see in the world. And along the way, they hit too many road bumps. They 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 get too many bumps and bruises. And because they don't have the the education and or the experience. People tap out instead of, you know, getting back up, you know, after, you know, getting tackled on the soccer field and trying to get and trying to win the ball back. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think that that's, you know, that's an interesting thing for us to recognize, right? That, that 
back to your point. Yeah, we can just do some very easily in terms of money distribution, but it's that it's that level of personal impact and the fact that it, you know, I think for a lot of people, it's a lot more than just the money part. I mean, that's a major mechanism of connection, but it's it's that, you know, how do I see this materialize in a meaningful way, which was the whole reason why I sent it or pressed that button or did that to begin with. And and I guess maybe if we say it that way, is part of the problem, some of the places where the money's going, that they're not, like their stories are no longer compelling or like, what are some of these things that that are now missing that are kind of causing people some of this fatigue or or disillusionment with, you know, the process? Well, I love there. I love where you went there too. You're, it's like we've practiced in advance. Uh, but so it's like, you know, there's, there's, there's bad restaurants out there, right? And, or there's restaurants that you think are bad, uh, um, maybe because of your palate, or maybe it's just objectively bad. But then the question would be, if you kept going there, like, why are you still going there? Right? So this question as to like, are the charities losing, you know, uh, touch with us, their stories aren't as compelling, you know, maybe they're not effective, to the extent that's true. And it's necessarily true, because in the United States, there's over a million and a half charities, right? They can't all be amazing. Um, In in Canada, where I'm, where I'm sitting, uh, there's, you know, over 85,000. So, you know, just like a restaurant, not all of them are going to be awesome. uh, But more importantly, not all of them are going to be awesome for you. Right. right. Like I like Korean food. Yes. You've never tasted it. You might have it for the first time and not like it. Doesn't necessarily mean, you know, it's not your thing, right? Could could become your thing with a little bit of pra- little bit of practice. So 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 without belaboring that too much, where I'm going is to say that I think the problem is actually, if I can be so frank, on the donor side. Donors don't okay. know. They donors don't know what they don't know. Donors aren't particularly literate when it comes to charitable giving. Um and th- they're too quick to blame uh the the other party, right? So my bad experience with charity wasn't because I chose that charity that's not particularly interesting to me. It's because that charity is an interest is is somehow bad. And what I'm not trying to say is obviously the world's not black and white. You know, it's not always, you know, these are these are relatively complex things. What we're interested in saying at Charitable Impact, though, is to put the onus back on the donor and saying, like, it's true that there, it can't be possible that every registered charity is a good, you know, super effective charity, particularly when there's no strong definition of that. Um so you should take responsibility for your decision making and you take responsibility uh with your own power and agency to 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 go about and make those decisions and if some of those decisions knock you down you know get back up because it's fun and meaningful to be a charitable person so right so so you're not going to quit because it's cool to be charitable even though every opportunity along the charitable journey isn't always going to be amazing well, I really like that because I, I mean, I, I see that all the time, right? It's it's necessary. And, and I mean, I think it's it, it extends the type of mentality is necessary across a lot of the financial spectrum. You know, it, it, you can't just sign up for a mortgage and never pay it, right? As an example, right? You'll, you'll run into a love letter from the mortgage company at some point that you won't like. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, we have to continue to be responsible. But I think this takes on an additional component because you connect to the part of you that has a value and a vision and and wants to see something happening in the world that is needing change needing help needing support and you know i think that that's if that's something that you say i personally have this value and i and i want to see this happen in the world and hopefully that's a commitment that you're willing to stay with and and persevere through that journey to to you know for as as long as you're you're on this earth you're able to kind of say these are all the steps that i took to try to do whatever i could to make this better um and and i think you know, having 
a framework that helps you stay on the path is really, really key. So what is like what does that look like though, very, very practically? Well, super practically, um, it means I mean, my advice is start giving to things that you really truly love, like quote love, right? And for what it's worth, like philanthropy, you know, the you know, the, the etymology of that word is actually love, love of mankind. So it really does relate to love. A lot of giving does relate to love. But what we mean by love, what I mean by love here is like, you know, oftentimes like like I, I love my wife. Right? I also know my wife super well. So what we mean by love isn't just like you think you like it a lot. It means like you actually love it, even getting to know all of like more and more of its, you know, more and more of its reality, including its flaws. Right. So when you give to things that you really know something about, it's much easier to navigate. Right. So 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 the most one of the most important things is, for example, and, and why we think you know, what charitable impact offers as a donor advice fund is so important is because it allows the donor to separate the, the the actual donation at law that they get the tax receipt for from the decisions they make about, you know, for example, what which charities to to support. And 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 when you do that, you can play in the game of charity by making donations into your account. And then play the second part of the game, which is allocating that money well. On the allocating money well side, it's really important to start your giving journey, at least by including things that you really understand well, regardless of its relationship to charity. Because when you do that, you can start to recognize where maybe some of your more technical charity decisions need some refinement or need more education and need more learning, right? Whereas just just to play the other side, like, you know, if you give to something that you completely don't know at all, right? Like, you know, how could you ever even, where do you even start to judge, for example, whether or not the donation was effective or whether the charity's good at what they do? I mean, you've got, you don't have a foot to stand on. No, that's really good. Um, and, and I also love that connection, the word love. I, I, I think that that's such a, such a critical framework to apply. You know, I think, uh, I know we spend a lot of time in our practice talking about being values centered. And the more that we can be connected as human beings to the values that we have and then finding ways to carry those values forward into all of our domains will allow us to be a lot more effective. And I think a lot of times we can be disconnected from that. Uh, you know, you can work till you're blue in the face and you kind of lose your way a lot of times in certain parts of your life. So having that as an anchor, I think, really does help, you know, create additional levels of meaning that carry through to levels of impact. So I really like that. Um element and, and that focus and that emphasis. And, you know, there's also a lot of ways to be charitably inclined. So are there, you know, in addition to the financial component, are there ways that you have found to help people? Like if they wanted to actually do things, give up their time, you know, the more intersectionality someone can have with things, how does that, you know, benefit obviously all parties involved? And, and is there anything that you've seen play out that, that really gives maximum staying power and maximum impact? Well, you use this famous uh, can become an acronym if you call it TTT, you know, earlier of time, talent, and treasure, right? And so, what, what just to ex explain that a little bit, like um, everybody has time, talent, and treasure, right? So your time is your time, your talent is what you're good at, and your treasure are your financial assets and or your money. So um, the, the 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 way to be most effective with your charitable giving is to align your time, talent, and treasure, right? So. Um, First of all, because it's very rare that people align their time, their talent, and their treasure behind something they're not interested in and know nothing about. So that covers my last point. Um, and and secondly, because like when you give money to a charity, just by way of example, and you want to know you know whether that charity's quote good or not, a really good way to determine that is to go and spend your time with your talent, volunteering for the charity to determine whether you really like them. For example, so 
you know, if this doesn't sound like rocket science, it's not supposed to. Just for some reason, because charitable giving is this sort of nice thing that we're supposed to do every now and again, and, and because charitable giving is too often people something people only do when they're asked to do it by a fundraiser, in most cases, there's a disconnection often between your time, talent, and treasure and what you're giving to. And so, you know, again, like focus on what you know, focus on what you love, and you're going to find that charitable giving is going to become a lot easier because you're you're the, the natural things in life that where you gain confidence by doing them and having experience with them and, and therefore learning more about over time is going to start to apply to your charitable giving. And it's not going to become easy all of a sudden, but it's going to become a lot more natural and it's going to start feeling like almost everything else in your life that you, you know, take with some degree of seriousness. Well, and, you know, I, I, I was having this conversation with my wife about, um, commercialization, you know, we're in the holiday season now and, and how a lot of things become, you know, over commercialized, or we kind of create this sort of social pressure around certain things. And, you know, not that every social pressure, any of us experience is either inherently good or bad, but, um, you know, sometimes it's a lot of this, you know, we have to do something or we're supposed to, our parents did it. And, and, and it's, it's either, you start to almost connect negative emotions to it in some respect, especially if, you know, you didn't have this great experience or you felt like you were being forced to do something that wasn't aligned with who you are and, or it's just the kind of part of the show and you're not really, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of just, it's a completely disconnected experience. It's all part of a, you know, one of the things that um, is interesting in the United States. I don't know if this is, is, is also happening in Canada, but there's, you know, literally just about every grocery store at so many stores. Now they'll ask you to round up, you know, your, your payment and it goes to some kind of a charity. And I have to imagine, again, I get the logic behind why that's so simple. I mean, you're getting capturing little pennies here and there, which in the aggregate can actually add up to a decent amount. And probably most people are like, sure, why not? And while I think that there's a level of value there, I also come back to the point that we're talking about, right? Like how meaningful is that? And 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 can you be lulled into the sense of, of being charitable without it actually being something that's of substance and 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 that you remain committed to and connected to and almost like you check the box mentally. And I, I, and I really, I love this, like going back to this whole framework of let's get all three T's in alignment because that's, that's kind of where the magic happens, right? And that's where the maximum element of impact I think we'll see over our lifetime comes from. Um, and, you know, probably enjoyment too, right? We should enjoy all parts of that to some degree. I mean, if you're spending too much time doing things you legitimately don't enjoy and, you know, I would, I would say, you know, stop, I'm not some kind of life coach or something, but like, especially when what you, you know, think you enjoy, like also doesn't, you know, make you a better person, right? Like just by way of example, I don't know, uh, not everyone who I know who does exercise quote enjoys the exercise, but they enjoy, you know, how it makes them feel about themselves, you know, after, and they might enjoy that meal that they don't feel as guilty eating after, you know, and they enjoy, you know, maybe living a longer life with more mobility, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, you know, and, and, and again, charitable giving in this respect, it just needs to, just needs to be looked at at life the way we, we, we look at other things that we, that we take really seriously. I love your example of, of, of the um, uh, roundup at the cash register. Uh, let me just speak to that for a second. So when you say, is it meaningful? The question is who for, I can tell you that, 
the amount of money raised at cash registers is a, a, a lot, okay? Because, you know, your 50 cents with my dollar 25 across the scale of people who shop for groceries, you know, makes for some big, big money. And so that money is very meaningful to the charity sector. It's very meaningful to the relatively few charities who receive that money. So it's meaningful there. But is it meaningful to you? Right. No. No, right? So I'm a charitable person. I, I choose voluntarily to give money away like all the time. I happen to give it every month. Uh, and and, and my, the company I work for matches my donations. So, you know, I got, you know, two for one to, to, to some to up to a maximum. And I and I give that way. So when I get to the grocery store that asks me for money, and yeah, um, you know, when we're not playing hockey, we do other things in Canada, include shop for <laughs> groceries. <laughs> so, um, so, so when I get to the grocery store that asks me for money, I say no. And to be honest, like I sometimes feel bad. I almost got a shoulder check to kind of go like, who heard me say that? Now, I wish the world wasn't that way. Having said that, it is. It's fine. It's a pressure tactic. It's it's a part of fundraising or sales methodology. Um, but I'll tell you what it would happen, what would need to happen for me to say yes every single time I was asked that question. If my own impact account, now I'm talking about my donor advice fund at Charitable Impact, was attached, you know, through technological APIs to the grocery store, you know, or or, or some mechanism, uh, then every time they asked me to round up, I would say yes, knowing that that money was going into my account for me to allocate to things that I love. That's the future, by the way. Um, and the reason that's the future is because grocery stores care more about the people that shop with them than they do the charities that they might choose to give money to if they had extra money to give away, right? So it's not to say grocery stores don't care about charities. It's just to say that grocery stores in my business experience recognize who their customers are and what keeps them afloat. So the trick in the future with particularly corporate giving, sorry to shift gears a little bit here, but the the, the trick in the future for corporate giving is um, it's today what corporations do is they give money to charities and then they try to spend you know a bunch of time, talent, and money to to tell everyone how wonderful they are. And the problem is no one really cares or, or notices. And and the reason they don't care or notice because it's not the charity that 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 their customer would choose. And so the future is give money to your customer for them to give away. Employee corporate giving you know matching programs are going to become uh, more and more of a thing. Customer giving programs where you're in sort of a charitable rebate at the tail every time someone. Um, um, you know, shops with you is going to become a thing. And what's going to happen there in my hypothesis, by the way, is that the corporation is going to start to be able to feel and even tangibly measure a return on the giving that they do. And when you find like a return on giving investment that's positive, or what I refer to as a return on generosity, the same decision is going to be made in corporate America or Canada as is made when they find that their return on marketing investment is positive. They're going to spend more money on it. So um, I think it's really, really important, by the way, for communities to, to to figure out how to you know create positive return on generosity because it will mean more time, talent, and treasure will be exposed that way. And one of the reasons why um, the, the giving is going down is because people don't feel that the return on their generosity is positive. And what are you going to do with your money if the return on your investments are always negative? Right? You're going to hoard. Yeah. You're going to go to. You're going to hoard. You're going to go to cash. You're going to, you know, shift sectors. You're going to shift investment managers. You're going to shift something. And look, maybe this is partly the theme of our conversation so far. But the charity sector is no different. It's not different at all. No, you're absolutely right. And I, and I and I'm excited about seeing how that hypothesis plays out because I think. You know, it, it, what a wonderful place to be in this era of digital technology where 
you know, uh, we don't have to go on any kind of AI tangents, but I, what I see is is in the proper use and application of all of these things that we can do digitally should allow us to be better and more optimal in the places that we're trying to be optimal in, right? And and so whether it's health, like you mentioned earlier, or whether it's money, I think both of those technology applied properly should allow and empower more people to be better, to do better, to do the things that we're all naturally trying to do, but that aren't as easy to do at this point or aren't as rewarding along the journey, right? And and, and I so I hope to see that happen because I think that that would be you know, uh, not just meaningful on an individual basis, but gosh, on a global basis, you know, because there are organizations out there doing great work that people, once they are able to connect to, absolutely want to see flourish. I couldn't agree with you more on that. The application and importance of technology in the in 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 our world at Charitable Impact is about uh, working towards optimizing the the donor's journey over yeah. time. Uh, you know, it's also important for you know scalability and reducing you know cost of capital in the sector but all these things are 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 actually a function especially cost of capital is in the charity sector is a function of the the donor's willingness to participate and donors are more willing to participate when the journey is meaningful and fulfilling just like i'm more willing to eat at that restaurant when the journey is meaningful and fulfilling as well no i love that um in in the corporate space let's let's talk about this a little bit because I know a lot of the listeners that I work with in the association space represent a lot of industry and also have a lot of either, you know, might have their own foundations or all this is intersected uh, on some level. I guess, I don't know how far divergent this might be, but we've kind of touched on some of it. So I feel like I want to talk to you about it. Um, you know, the concepts of ESG, a lot of acronyms in there, but, you know, how can organizations publicly, you know, traded companies, entrepreneurs, doesn't matter what part of the marketplace you're how can we also do well by doing good? What are some of the things that you see happening in that sector that are really, really good that you're excited about um, in the future? Well, there's two things that come to mind when you say that. Uh, I'll try to speak to the both. The first is like, it's really important to, to, to make it okay to do well by doing good, right? There's way too much time wasted on this sort of conversation saying, well, you know, you can't you know, do well by, you know, you know, working with or facilitating something in the, in the charity sector. I mean, that's just total garbage. You know, the universities that our kids go to, the, the hospitals that we attend, these are registered charities. It's as if you want the, you know, president of the university, you know, not to be, you know, well-paid and incentivized to, to play or, 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 you know, people running the hospital not to be, you know, so, so, so that sort of stigma needs to go away. And I actually think that that stigma is rooted in illiteracy. I think it's rooted in a lack of, true understanding of how um how how important the quote charity sector is to enabling the communities that we that we live in um but just ask anyone who works in the charity sector how offensive it is to to to, to that they're not allowed career progression when everyone else is allowed to and they're not allowed to get paid well enough to have a to have a mortgage when everyone else supposedly is as well so so that's so the doing well by doing good things really really important plus there's a lot of social science that corroborates the idea that like it works Right, people do more, more actively when they feel fulfilled and, and and a sense of meaning towards what they're what they're achieving. So, so that's one of the part of the answer with regard to uh, your comment, great comment about you know ESG, you know sort of, um, um, you know also I think you know D E and I or diversity, equity, inclusion, you know also falls into this thing. I I think of those two things both as frameworks, and so like if you are a company that wants to 
do more in the diversity, equity, inclusion world or, 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 or participate more in the ESG world, the question becomes, well, what are you going to do and how are you going to go about doing that? The short version of my where I'm going here is that charitable giving plays a really important component of both of those two frameworks. You know, if you care about environmental or social or governance, um, charitable giving is a method, it's a vehicle, it's a it's a sector through which to achieve those goals. If you care about diversity, equity, and inclusion, the the charitable giving world is is a way is a is a sector, it's a vehicle through which to achieve those goals. So one of the big problems with ESG and DE and I is no one knowing anything about how to go about achieving them. And and one of the results of that is you get a whole bunch of sort of hot air blowing around them with lots of you know nice sounding speeches and strategies that are hollow. Um, um, and again, uh, that's where you want to come back and where Charitable Impact comes back and says like, hey, we're here to help you along that journey. You need to want to do it. You need to commit to doing something, but you don't need to have all the answers. Just like buying a house, you don't need to know every single thing about finance and mortgages and, and credit. And you don't even need to be able to predict the future of what you know the Federal Reserve is going to do with interest rates policies. You just have to you know, want to really invest in the house, think that's important to you and be willing to take responsibility for your decision making along the way. No, I'm, I'm so glad that you quantified it that way because it is, it's, it's that journey. And, and the other point that you made is so salient. And, and I, I don't think I can say this enough. The data supports why it's good to be a good business, like being good to human beings and the planet. Cause guess what? We only got one planet right now, guys, right? We're, we're, I don't think we're able to live on Mars or the moon yet. So we got to, you know, these things shouldn't be overly complicated or politicized and you I, you know there should be a reward a return on having a, a a company that functions well and is mindful in those areas and it i don't really think i think most people when you talk to them would say yeah of course you know like if i have choice between company a that trashes the environment or company b that doesn't everybody's going to choose company b like it's not a question it's just that you know there's so many layers to all of that and you know obviously everything has been taken down all of these paths that make it very, very divisive. But I think, you know, the the nice thing is in the spaces that we operate is that you are able to step back, get some independent verification and say, you know what, let's all move in the right direction because the majority of us want to. And and, and it's it, it is a journey that's worth taking and worth taking as far as as humanly possible. Um and I really like, you know, just kind of how you're sharing that and and finding additional ways for us all to be effective on that journey. And I want to I want to kind of come home to this this concept of impact. Because um, I think that that's a word that almost some, at times becomes a buzzword, but I think it's a really meaningful one when you when you when you personalize it. And so impact, as it now we come back to this concept of charity, it's more than just financial, isn't it? But how how do you kind of put put it all together for someone in terms of I want to see impact? What does that all look like? Let's pull, pull all these threads together. What what are we going to do to really see that done? Well, without getting overwhelmed, first of all, it's important to recognize that it's a relatively complicated question. First of all, first of all, because not everyone's going to agree on the metrics, right? Right. I can't tell you how it's a wonderful question. I'm glad we're going here, but um, I can't tell you how many times like people have tried to leverage my expertise uh, in the in the in the benevolent space, for example, to sort of ask me a question like, "Well, tell me what a good charity is." <laughs> right, and all you can really do, you can do two things with that. One, you can sort of say, "Well, I'll give you the characteristics of, generally speaking, the types of things that you know make a quote good charity." And 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 the problem 
with answering that way is you don't always know how much like financial and or uh, community literacy the person has, right? And so, you know, you can you can ask, you know, Warren Buffett what he thinks the characteristic of a good company is, but if you don't sort of understand the, de- you know, the depth of what he's simplifying for you, you know, th- then the, the question sort of goes, the, 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 it, get, it gets difficult to, to translate into action, right? Um, so, so impact is, first of all, a relatively difficult thing because there's no clear metrics. They don't all apply the same and we don't all measure it the same way. And this is why it's so important to, to go back to what we talked about earlier, where when you give to things you love, you already actually have way more understanding about how to measure impact than you do about things that you don't love and have never spent any time with, right? So, so, and and let me give you an analogy. Uh, I've got kids, and they both play sports, um, and and. And 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 I had a conversation with one of my kids just the other just this past weekend about like, you know, what he thought the impact of his you know play on the soccer pitch was, and you know if I he's he's twelve now and he takes or eleven actually but he takes he takes soccer relatively seriously and the difference between his ability to answer the question today versus you know four years ago isn't is totally material and the difference is he's more mature he's more experienced. Um, and he has chosen to stick with, in this case, soccer. So he's got this like love, right? And so when you ask him today, well, how is the impact of your game? You get a completely different answer. And then 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 you would with someone who's like played their first soccer game and doesn't even really understand the role that they play on the pitch, regardless of how well they carried that role out while they were on the pitch. So, you know, if this sort of resonates with people's thinking, when you think about like impact, it's really, really important to categorize impact into sort of what you know you know about measuring impact and what you don't know about measuring impact. And then, you know, sort of with those two boxes, kind of time to go, okay, well, how much time am I going to go into just verify that like the the stuff I do know is actually being done, you know, to, to my to my standard? And then how much time am I going to spend learning some new stuff and exploring these areas that I don't know so well? So, my message to listeners is that as a donor, I really think that impact is more on you to measure than it is and you to understand the measurement of than it is on the charity, for example, to tell you in perfect language that meets your definition of impact, you know, that they are impactful. I like that because, you know, I think what you are also describing is that journey and that maturation process and that need to be engaged. Um and, and again, not be disconnected from what we're doing when it comes to our benevolence and our giving uh, and, and to keep our three T's in alignment as much as we can, because um, yeah, it, it is this journey. And, and that's where I, I like how you, you, you shared that answer, you know, like impact is, is collective, hard to measure. It's personal, but really what it is, is, is a journey, right? It's, it's a continual experience that, you know, should change, right? There, I think, you know, until until we experience that Shangri-La, I guess that we're all working to, or whatever the theory is on Earth, right? You know, there's always going to be more that needs to be done, can be done, should be done. So, so you know, the the needle moves, and I think it's more now, like you were saying, a question of are we going to commit to our our component of that in moving the needle and staying true to that, and and then you know being able to encourage others to also do the same. And I and I really like. Um, kind of how how you know you wove that together pretty effectively i like yeah. that it is well, it's a, it's a it's, complex question <laughs> well well no and it's but it's it's the answer is meant to be intuitive and the unfortunate part of the answer is that, that there's no um there's no easy button 
you know, trying to think of the brand that uses that in their branding. Staples, easy button. Staples, staples, right? So, and, 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 and you actually, the other thing to say is that now that I've gone there is your job as a donor is to build your own easy button. Right. So let me let me talk about me as a as a businessman inside my own business. Okay, I founded and and, and I'm the C- current CEO of Charitable Impact. Um, I have like data and gut understanding of my business that probably supersedes everyone else that works, you know, with 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 the organization. No, no offense intended to anybody. Right. If you brought me on as an advisor to like a benevolent minded charitable related company. I would be pretty good, pretty fast at understanding, quote, impact of decisions they make inside that business. You know, if you then take me into a financial setting, I would be okay because I come from an investment banking background. I have uh, business and financial literacy, right? But as soon as you start getting me into even businesses that like relate to subject matter that I have no experience with, now the only thing I can do to judge impact is rely on my personal experience also being a business person, right? And and that's meant to sound totally intuitive and like there's no other way to do it. I mean, the only other way for you to do that, by the way, is to have someone you truly trust and are willing to, you know, give responsibility to to make those types of decisions for you. And so these are the types of decisions, these are the types of conversations that I think are missing on the donor side of the charity world. Um, it's meant to be intuitive. Unfortunately, it's not easy. It's in that like by changing one thing tonight, tomorrow, you're going to be an automatically, you know, amazing donor. But the cool part of it is that becoming a more confident donor is fun. And if it's not fun for you, um, and I don't recommend this very often, if it's totally not fun for you, you either have to shift how you're spending your time, talent, and treasure inside the charity sector, which is which is the advice that I give. Or, I mean, this is the advice I don't give very often, but I've given before, is just, just leave because it's not for you at all. Today, people leave the charity sector because they want it to be easy and impactful without putting very much of their time, talent, or treasure towards, you know, making a difference in the world. And that doesn't work for cooking. It doesn't work for sport. It doesn't work for academics. It doesn't work for anything that I'm aware of. Uh, it doesn't work for relationships. So why is it going to work for charitable giving? It's not. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I don't think we could land the plane any more effectively than you just did on that point. So I love that. Um, John, any final shout outs that you want to make? Any any kind of hoorahs, anything you want to recognize? Well, in, in some of this, uh, you know, it sounds like, you know, cynicism My uh, that, that we're talking about. Like, I'm not cynical at all. I'm actually very optimistic of the future of charitable giving, particularly if uh, people and companies take on more responsibility for the decisions they make instead of always sort of blaming the ineffective bad charities out there. You know, like it sounds so silly that to me that, that people do it, but it happens all the time. So I think one of my messages is that I'm super optimistic, but you know, like having a better political environment, you, you got to go out and vote. And you, you know, the more you engage in in, in civil society and 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 help things out, the, the the better things get. The better you feel about them getting, even if they're not necessarily getting better. You know, the the I'm actually really optimistic about the future of benevolence. Um, but we're in a rough patch, and the message is. Take on responsibility yourself. It's not going to be anyone else who's going to make the world better, you know, for you. You've got to contribute into it yourself. And the journey of contributing really is fun and meaningful, right? Just like the, it's so hard to run and so annoying at times to run a business, right? You got 
internal forces, you got external forces, you got wind in your face all the time. No one ever says thank you. Uh, all yada yada yada. And yet it's such what's one of the most meaningful things that you can experience. And and so and and so I'm really optimistic about the future of charitable giving, but some hard shifts have to be made in how we as people and corporations approach achieving it. Um and that's where my message maybe sounds a little bit, um, you know, pessimistic or cynical. It's actually rooted in a brighter future that I envision myself and wake up every day to try work towards. Oh, and I, and I, I think it's, I think it is. It's the necessary message, right? It's, it's the let's deal with the real, you know, and 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 do it because I think that there's so many people that do want to see the change, the shift, and and want to want to line things up more effectively and optimize our lives whether it's technology and all the other things. Right. And so, you know, I can't, uh, I can't get healthy by sitting on the couch and, and eating ice cream. I got to do the work and I got to stay engaged, not because I want to look a certain way, but because I want to be a certain way. I want to be the person that lives a healthy life because the journey is worth it. Right. Runs a business because the journey is worth it and does, you know, makes, makes an impact because the journey is worth it. So I love that. Um, how can people get a hold of you if they wanted to connect with you? Well, charitable, uh, charitable impact, uh, com. Uh, you know, it's on the internet. Uh, we're in all the different social medias, you know, um, at we are charitable. Um, and, uh, you know, reach out. One of the things we pride ourselves on at Charitable Impact is a, is a really strong support and services group. So we have real human beings who answer the phone and, and, and listen to you and help guide you through your charitable giving. Now, we're just working in Canada right now. That's likely to change in the future. Um, but, you know, reach out to us and, and have a chat, follow us on social media. If you want to hear our opinion about something, you know, also just let us know. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to opine into things and uh, I just need a few questions to answer to get there. I love it. Well, DJ, because it's been fun. <laughs> Ryan, I really thanks appreciated the time. Yeah. And I thanks, thanks, for, for, show, thanks for the, thanks for the conversation. I love the flow and keep up the good work you're doing. You do the same. Information provided in this podcast is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. The Haney Company, its employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are encouraged to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant as the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicatory of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Brian Heaney is a registered representative and an investment advisory representative of Dempsey Lord Smith, LLC. Dempsey Lord Smith, LLC is not affiliated with the Heaney Company. Securities offered through Dempsey Lord Smith, LLC, Membra FINRA SIPC, Advisory services offered through Dempsey Lord Smith, LLC, a U.S. SEC registered investment advisor.